We are live. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the 25th edition of the Hotelier Pulse Report Breakdown. It's great to be back. And joining me, of course, in today's session is Mr. Pedro Calaco, who is the CEO and uh, founder of Guest Centric and also Great Hotels of the World and a member of Tech Talk Travel. Pedro, how are you doing? You're looking so tanned. I'm so jolly. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. The weather has been nice. I've been walking outside, but uh, it's still not beach weather, so we still have probably a couple of weeks to go. But uh, but oh yeah, life's good. Well, you could have fooled me about that. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's introduce our guest. We're thrilled to have today joining us from the Likas Hotel Group, Miss Alicia Likas, who is joining us from Poland and sitting at the Hotel Warszawa. Alicia, lovely to join you. Join us. How are you? Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, the weather is not as great as in Portugal, unfortunately. No, no, I feel, I feel we're probably sharing similar weather, you and I. Never mind, never mind. Okay, also, just folks, before we get started, don't forget, if you have any questions or comments during the session today, please make sure that you tag the person uh, that you'd like the question or, or comment to go to. Uh, also, Lee is going to throw the links up into the comment section for access to, the, to download the report. Uh, that we're going to be discussing and summarizing today, as well as the link for the next report, which if you are a hotelier, you are very welcome to go to and complete the survey as well, because of course, that's going to be adding more value and data to the next report, which of course is, is even uh, better for us and for the, next, for the next session. Okay, so with that said and housekeeping out of the way, oh, let's sorry. get started, Pedro. What's going on here? I did, I did something me... wrong here. That's okay, sorry, no sorry. problems. I haven't got your screen up yet. <laughs> I, I was just wrong... about yeah, yeah, to... I got... <laughs> I, I was just about here. to bring you up. Here we go. There's the uh, session. So what have you got that you'd like to bring up as the opening slide from uh, uh, from this edition? I don't know. I, I will, let's uh, so sort of uh, I, I have obviously uh, preliminary data for May, given that May is not closed yet. We still have almost a week to go. Right. We, uh, but I do have data, uh, recent data from May and in terms of on the books um, and also demand. Uh, I would say, you know, I, I maybe start with a summary, which is direct remains number one uh, by far, right? Um, I think what's really exciting is that the international bookings are catching up with 2019 levels in terms of occupancy. They've surpassed them in terms of actually revenue, in terms of the revenue that they are generating. Um, so overall, I think the summer is looking really good. And, uh, and that's also reflected then in our, in our surveys. And uh, we believe, you know, our hoteliers are saying that they're increasingly optimistic. We're seeing quite a few hotels already year to date better than 2019, which is really exciting. Um, and therefore, I think um, things are, 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 are looking up and up. I don't know. Uh, maybe we want to. We can yeah. dig them into specific numbers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's also ask Alicia. Alicia, Alicia you guys have seven hotels in Poland. Am I right in saying that? Yes. Very good. So based on the current status of your hotels, um, and not only yours, but I think just generally the hotel industry within Poland and Eastern Europe during these times of conflict that we are experiencing, how, how are the hotels responding generally to that situation? And, and what are some of the main concerns, economic, consumer confidence, et cetera, that, that you know, the hotels and what are they doing in, in order to overcome those challenges? Because, you know, as we were just talking offline, we've kind of come out of COVID and now the next can of gasoline has been thrown on the fire that, that everybody has to deal with, especially on the eastern side of Europe. So could you perhaps give us a little bit of a breakdown on that? 
yes, sure. So, um, as you know, in March, when the war started, we had a huge influx of Ukrainians, and it was in all segments. So you had Ukrainians who were actually staying at hotels and paying, and then you also had uh, government-sponsored hotels, which were a, a godsend uh, uh, to the hotels on the border, yes, because uh, obviously um, on the border there was all the accommodation was completely empty and hoteliers and hostels or all sorts of accommodations were uh, desperate for business. So the government was actually paying uh, for every Ukrainian they took in. So um, in March, this was a bit of a pickup for hospitality. Uh, Apart from Krakow, which is the most touristic city in Poland, uh, people just stopped coming to Krakow. I think uh, they thought it was too close to the border and therefore it hasn't picked up yet. Um, of course, international guests were cancelling bookings at a very fast pace. Um, the excuse was always the geopolitical situation. No, sorry, the geopolitical position of our country. Um, so, you know, although the corporate travel never really had the time to come back after COVID. Um, and right now, the concerns that we are actually facing in hospitality is, of course, consumer confidence. Uh, like I said before, because of the geopolitical position, uh, foreigners stopped coming because for them it's too far. Americans, uh, they believe that Poland is so close, they wouldn't, you know, risk it. Um, a lot of businesses uh, found it inappropriate to organize events uh, in the time of conflict. So this was this was an issue in March, April. April. Uh, another concern is, of course, the economical situation. I think all around the world right now, it's the interest rates uh, that are causing higher mortga mortgages and less disposable income, so less traveling uh, guests. Um, uh, of course, our government is not really helping with this. Um, they are creating anti-inflation shields and increasing minimum wage, which is not really fighting with the rising inflation. And the staff shortages are also a huge problem uh, mm. because um, hospitality is not... Um, uh, business people want to go back to after COVID, you know, people have found different jobs. Uh, they have had a very bad experience during COVID. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I think we, well, I'm hoping this will change and we'll get more foreigners into the country uh, who will be willing to work in hospitality. Yeah, um, yeah. Before we get to the slide that Pedro has up, I'd like perhaps this is a good opportunity to also ask you in terms of given everything that you've just gone through and explained to us, when do you expect your business will start to recover so that you are kind of hitting the same financial results as perhaps what you were seeing in 2019? You know, I am very negative. I have just realized that I was telling you all the negative stuff. But no, 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 no. It's fine. Sometimes rea reality is sometimes not the nicest thing to hear, but that's just how it is. But it's not so bad because in most of our markets, uh, so our seven cities, we are five. We are all five star. Our hotels are all five stars, so luxury hotels with uh, very renowned uh, restaurants. Uh, apart from Krakow, we have already um, achieved um, revenue above 2019 levels. 
so okay. it's not so bad. You know, we're, we're, we are cautious in what's coming. Of course, we would like the increase to be bigger, but, uh, but the situation is much better. We are afraid to forecast anything because the booking window is one day. So, you know, we very often have conferences that are being booked for tomorrow. Uh, so it's very difficult to forecast, but I have to say that the past two months, uh, well, three months really, March, April, May, uh, have been very good for hospitality. Well, we, like I said, we exceeded 2019 levels mm -hmm. in okay. all our markets but one. Yeah, Krakow, and that, unfortunately not. And that one being is based purely because of its proximity to the border of where uh, the current conflict is, correct? That's what we're thinking. Yes, this is yeah. this is the this is the messages we're getting from the guests that they are afraid to travel uh, yeah. to a place that is so close to the war. Yeah, and I guess that's that's understandable uh, given yeah. the circumstances. Okay, so Pedro, based on on that, how I think we're gen you know from from previous reports that we've reviewed um, and from previous sessions with other hoteliers that we've had, the consensus generally is that things are getting back to what we saw in 2019. Is that still the trend that we're also seeing? Yeah, so, so absolutely. So this graph is actually actually a big mess, right? And that shows you sort of the tribulations that we've gone through in the last couple of years. I think that's how I read it, right? Is, is that there's been this, you know, flurries of optimism followed by, you know, flurries of, of pessimism. And, and, and we can see that, you know, back in, in, in December, we were very optimistic and then Omicron hit. Sorry, uh, I, I did something wrong here and now it's gone. Am I going in the right direction? No, I'm going in the wrong direction. Sorry about that. Uh, and fine. then basically Omicron hit. And then, you know, the expectation, I'm talking about the red line here, right? That we would recover to 2019, fell uh, to 20% and now it's going back up. So uh, from what we're seeing from on the books data, clearly there's going to be a lot of hotels better in 2022 than 2019. Um, and this is really driven by obviously occupancy, but also the ADR issue that we've been talking about here um, for a while. And I, I can, I can, you know, switch over to, to those, to that data, because I think it's, it's sort of interesting data to, um, to look at. Yeah. Let me just um, find it where it stays, blah, 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 pick up ADR. Right. And, and this has been very consistent um, through, you know, all, I think every, mm -hmm. every session we've had this year, we've seen that ADR has been going up in euros. It's up 31% versus 2019. So it's just a massive increase. And even in us dollars, it's also up 14%. So mm -hmm. what we're seeing is that albeit occupancy is not at the right levels, so to say, compared to 2019, we're certainly doing a lot better because of, of the high prices. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's just reflective of what Alicia was saying, which is, you know, a lot of hotels are doing better than 2019 right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's good that you brought that up. Uh, Alicia, in terms of ADR for your seven hotels, are you guys holding or is it going up, even though you, you've gone through these challenges that you expressed earlier? But how, how are you finding your ADR generally? Well, our ADR is up. Well, the ADR is up generally in all of Poland. I'm not only talking about our hotels. Yep. Uh, yep. No doubt about it. Uh, unfortunately, it's up for all the wrong reasons. Uh -huh. uh, it's, ah. it's, up, it's up because our costs are up. Uh, you know, after COVID, hotels had to somehow um, support themselves. Um, the cost of labor is up. The cost of energy is up. Uh, financial costs are up. Uh, so higher ADR uh, will 
in the end not mean a better performance for hotels because the higher ADR will be eaten up by the higher costs. Um, therefore, here marketing is key. Yeah, uh, we must catch every potential guest because the number of guests is limited. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a good point. So what are you, what are your hotels and other hotels in the area they're prioritizing right now in terms of business strategy during those times? Like what 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 are you prioritizing around that? Well, uh, I think most importantly right now what we believe in is uh, is not the traditional marketing but um, social media and meta search yes mm -hmm. increase direct bookings of course uh, because this is this this is key in order not to have all those booking fees given our very high costs uh, and uh, and show foreigners that Poland is not so affected by the war. Yes, of course we are affected. Of course we're mobilized. Of course we're helping Ukrainians, but business is as usual in Poland. We still work, we still function normally. I have recently have had a call from Singapore asking, can we travel to Poland? How is the situation? How is the war uh, in Poland? I'm like, well, we have no war in Poland. So I think mm. this is the most important thing to remember. Of course, we are bordering with Ukraine, but there is no war in Poland and there will be no war in Poland. So uh, so we are definitely a safe market to come to and a very attractive one too. As, you know, we are, uh, compared to European uh, capitals, we have a very high standard and very low prices. So it's a wonderful place to come and visit. And this is something we're trying to um, show uh, foreigners. Yeah, that's that's a big task. I think if it's just coming from you, are you getting support from your your government arms and your industry bodies as well to get that message out? Well, unfortunately not. Unfortunately uh -huh. not. This is the biggest problem. You know, I recently had a journal, journalist from Monaco who was in Warsaw and he says, oh, my God, this is such a wonderful city. Why have I never seen advertisements of it? I think he was actually from Australia. So for him... Uh, Warsaw was rather far away yeah, yeah. Uh, and he didn't, you know, Poland is not a very popular country. Um, and he said, this is such an amazing place to be. And uh, why am I not seeing it anywhere? Well, because this is our, how great our government is. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, talking about channel momentum, Pedro, let's move on to channel distribution. How's that looking? Yeah, I think uh, I, I was just, you know, picking up on uh, what Alicia said in terms of obviously, you know, the trend to direct is very important. What we yeah. are seeing in our, you know, this again, this is a, a, a set of about 500 hotels or so that we have in our, in our, in our CRS. And what we're seeing is that direct is actually, you know, has been number one for quite a while now in the pandemic. Uh, and it's, it's actually accelerating, uh, certainly for the stays in May. Um, and what we're seeing is booking.com plateauing a little bit. But um, I have two more um, slides that I wanted to show. One is, uh, the channel mix and direct continues to be number one. And especially if we compare, say, you know, Q2 2022 with Q2 2019, we see that we've grown 14 uh, or 13 mm. percentage points. And, and that seems to be holding, right? We grew very, very fast. For instance, 2021, we had 53% direct bookings. Uh, but that seems to be holding. And then the other, I think, interesting data is that this channel mix is very different between the U.S. and uh, and and Europe, right? So while in the U.S., you know, uh, both, you know, um, direct, which is here, you can see here, 50, 53, 54 percent, 
And in Europe, we have 39, 41, 37. So there's quite a lot more direct. And I think that's driven a lot by domestic travel, right? A lot of the U.S. market is US, is domestic. And then what we see is almost sort of in reverse that Expedia is strong in the U.S. here at 30 plus points. And then Booking.com is strong in Europe at 40 plus points. So it's almost sort of the, the mirror image of saying, you know, direct is number one. And then you ask number two, you know, far away from number three is Expedia. And in Europe, it's actually quite the other way around. Number two is, um, is booking close to number one, actually. And then, and then Expedia is a, is a distant number, number three. So I think that these are sort of interesting data um, that from, from channels um, that, um, that I, I wanted to share. I don't know um, if Alicia can tell us a little bit about uh, the channel mix in, in Poland. Mm. Well, regarding our hotels, I would be very happy if the direct was number one. Unfortunately, it used to be during COVID. Unfortunately, it is not anymore. It's booking. Uh, it's for us. It's number one is booking. Number two is direct. Okay. When did that? Uh, when did that transition happen, Alicia? At what point? Can you remember when? What month that may have been, or when the point? Did, when the business point picked up. When business picked up. So I would say uh -huh. it was around March. Okay. Okay. You know, January Given... and... No, go on, please. January and February are rather quiet months uh, yep. in Poland. So, uh, and of course, it was still COVID, yes. So, March was the, was like, a, a, it was the start of the war, but also uh, business really picked up then. Okay. Oh, okay. Very good. Um, and Pedro, it's interesting as well. You, you said before that the booking mix was holding its its consistency, its patterns, essentially, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how booking was more popular in the European versus um, Expedia in the US. I still, not, what I noticed though, from the direct channels there between the two locations was that the, the difference between the US market and the, the European market in terms of the booking, the direct booking channel. That's yeah. quite a significant. So, that's quite a significant yeah, uh, amount, absolutely. isn't it? It's, it's, it's more than ten percentage points, and I think the explanation is really in this. Um, in uh, is it in this slide, right? That what you see is that domestic travel. We have here upwards of sixty percent booking direct, and mm. because the mix in the U.S. is very heavy on domestic travel, that means that they're getting more an advantage of that. Whereas what we're seeing in our European uh, hotels is that a lot of, of the nights are international nights. And that means that, you know, direct is only 40% or so. And then everything else is third parties, whether yeah. it's booking, yeah. the GDS and so on. So I think the American, um, the American change is really because of that, right? But yep. in, and in general, what we saw was that during COVID, obviously domestic travel took over. And you can see here that in Q1 2021, actually domestic travel represented more nights than international travel. And with, you know, um, the lockdowns easing up and travel restrictions disappearing, we're seeing international travel pick up again and international pickup picks up again, OTAs pick up again. So I think that's sort of the, the mix that we're seeing here is, is that as, you know, the international travel picks up again, the OTAs become more relevant because there's more people booking through OTAs for international travel. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, Alicia, we have a question from Bjar Trindade uh, who's asking, why do you think that happened? And I assume he's referring to the switch from your direct channel um, 
in terms of its uh, uh, preference of booking being changed over to the, to booking. Um, do you think it was because of the war, or do you think it was also because of the the seasonal change? As you said, January and February are slower months anyway. So, um, would you would you have any further insight into into perhaps why you feel that happened? Well, I, I will agree with Pedro. It's because more international travel started arriving. And this is why um, it's the same case in Poland. Well, the majority of our guests are Polish still, uh, which was not the case in 2019. And these are the guests that book directly. Uh, and the international travelers book through OTAs. It's just easier and faster. And I think the pre-reservation process, an easy pre-reservation process is key. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Okay. So let's move across now to domestic versus international. I think it's a good uh, opportunity to change gears there. Pedro, <laughs> what are we seeing there now? So what we're seeing is that actually in terms of overall volume, so we saw sort of the percentage between domestic and international, but I think it's also interesting to look at overall volume and where we are, right? And what we're seeing is exactly what Alicia was saying, that domestic is still strong, actually stronger than 2019 right now, right? So, and actually yes. stronger than 2021, which was already stronger than 2019. So there's even more people traveling domestically and that obviously international is, you know, uh, I would say, you know, leaps and bounds away from where we were in 2021, but still not at the level where we were in 2019. So it's been picking up. It's been losing a little bit of steam from what we can see. So there was, you know, a huge pickup um, in, in the March timeframe, right? You look here and th there was a big pickup and then in April the same. And now it's sort of stabilizing around these levels. And, and, and we'll have to see if international travel is actually, from a night's perspective, going to reach 2019. I, I tend to have doubts about it, um, but we're going to have a tr tremendous summer. We're seeing, you know, um, the U.S. Um, airlines really putting a lot of, you know, planes in the air towards Europe. So, so that's certainly helping. Um, I wonder, you know, my, 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 my mind is already sort of what's going to happen in October, right? October, mm -hmm. November, December, uh, are, are, you know, if the war's still going on, if there's this inflationary pressure, if interest rates are going up, if there's an energy and staff prices, what's that going to do, right? And, and are people going to be, you know, after they've had the hurrah uh, vacation that I think everybody's booking right now, right? And we're seeing people that typically book four stars booking five stars, people that book, you know, uh, uh, double rooms booking junior suites. We're seeing people upgrading themselves. And once that's done, are people going to continue to travel? And I think that's that's the big question that that's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alicia, given the forecasts uh, show that domestic leisure travel significantly will significantly improve this summer, um, the market, you know, and, and, and it shows that the international bookings are dominating uh, for for the industry and perhaps uh, approaching 2019 levels, as, as Pedro was saying. For Poland and Eastern Europe, what market segments in those or in that area are hotels currently targeting during this time? So, for example, what over the summer period, moving into then autumn, what are your um, market segments that you really are going after? Well, we're definitely targeting foreigners because we have the domestic traveler. We have the leisure traveler. Uh, domestic leisure traveler um, is still the majority. 
It's, mm-hmm. it's a huge majority. It's a huge change from 2019. So we definitely want the foreigners to come back to Poland. Um, tourism is in a very grave position. Like I said about Krakow, yes, international tourists are gone, and especially in our five-star segment. Um, there is a limit to the Polish guests that can afford it. Therefore, we really need uh, foreign guests who can, who, who can afford five stars at a very good quality. Uh, then, of course, you also have the mountains in Poland, in the south, and they rely mostly on the Russian guests. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh-huh. these well, these are not go- coming back neither right now. Yes, so yeah. I think they they have to find a new target group uh, uh, that that will keep them alive because they were really relying on Russians mostly. Uh, in terms of cities um, such as Warsaw, Wrocław, uh, in the west of Poland, uh, we uh, the corporates are returning, and we are hoping they will keep returning and there will be more of corporate guests. Um, we are targeting smaller events, smaller conferences, because this is what, what is happening, small dinner parties. Uh, you don't have big events. This is still not back. And big corporate events or big corporate groups, this is not coming back. And everything that we had planned was canceled because of the war. Uh, so, so now we're looking at smaller companies that can organize smaller um, events here in Poland because, like I said before, we are still very cheap compared to uh, other European capitals. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, all right, Pedro, so why don't we have a look through this slide here? It seems to uh, be quite I, I, consistent This is just, as I think, well. to, to illustrate what, what Alicia was saying, right? Where, you know, what we're still seeing the expectation from hoteliers is that you know, leisure is still the major driver for the business. We are seeing an improvement uh, in, uh, in business travel. Uh, so the GDS has picked up and we had the best ever month in GDS in April and May will be better. So clearly we're on the uptrend, but we're still probably at 40% of 2019, right? So we're still very far from recovering. We're still at very low levels um, uh, altogether. Um, the other thing that I wanted to show, and let me just see if I can do that, is um, is um, is this slide here in terms of you know what are people worried about, and and still you know what we're seeing is still number one remains and has been you know through the pandemic been that they want to see the direct channel as the top reservation channel. So this is sort of you know I think it also has to do with business. Uh, I think I've said this many times where. We've had customers or hotels in, in 2021 that actually did not have as much top line but had better bottom line because they did not pay as many commissions to, to the OTAs. So even though the occupancy was down and revenue was down, actually profit was up because of, you know, of this focus on the direct channel. And I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see towards the future. I think the other thing that we're seeing emerging now is this People, we're, we, we now are hearing our hotels talking again about sustainability, which is sort of interesting, right? Um, which is something that almost disappeared during the pandemic. Everybody was very focused on, uh, you know, sort of the emergency and the, you know, I need to make as much money as I can from the, you know, the few guests that I have. Um, and we're seeing now this focus on sustainable tourism coming back. Um, and, and I think that that's probably also a trend that's gonna be here to stay if we don't hit another sort of economic crisis, right? I think 
the, the problem with sustainability is it's it's always a hot topic when things are going well. When things are going wrong, it seems to be the first thing out the window. And that's sort of mm -hmm. a, a shame, but but it's just the trend that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, Alicia, I see you're nodding your head a little bit there. What's your How are you approaching sustainable tourism within your hotel? I agree completely that this is something that uh, in good times we always talk about sustainability, uh, but in bad times we forget uh, we forget about it completely. Uh, well, yes, it, it, you know it's a trend everywhere. Uh, we are very much in line with the trend, so we do not use plastic reuse reusable well, you know disposable plastic. Oh. That's what I wanted to say. Disposable yeah. plastic. Uh, we have a very modern technology for energy saving in our buildings. Um, a, moreover, um, let me think what else are we doing? Oh, of course, local local produce. Yes, this is another um, another aspect of sustainability. We only use local pro product. We're also very much focused in gastronomy on a no waste policy. Yes. So yes, absolutely, we're after that. And I think, you know, during COVID, we were also uh, doing it because it was not so difficult with the small amount of guests that we had. Uh, yeah. It was much easier to actually be uh, sustainable. Sustainable, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. That's a, sort of an interesting uh, um, argument there, right? Because, you know, when you have high occupancy levels, it becomes more, much more difficult. Absolutely. Very good. Okay, uh, all right, let's have a look at uh, pickup now. Pedro, let's talk right. So, so that. That, we were talking a little bit about about the past and where we were. Right. I think you know if we anticipate where we're going, what we're seeing is you know in April just give sort of that, that's a closed month. We still have one week to go, so it's there's still almost twenty percent of pickup missing in May. But in April we were up revenue on you know forward looking revenue for uh, for the year thirty six percent versus twenty nineteen. In May we're already above twenty nineteen. But in occupancy levels, we're still down. And and if we look at what are people booking, right? So obviously May, uh, this shoulder season, it has been going very well compared with you know with 2019, which is sort of the the light blue line. Uh, the summer season is also picking up quite nicely. Consider that you know this orange dot is below, but we still haven't finished May. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing that I would say is June looks a little bit soft. Um, which I'm not sure if Alicia is seeing this as well, but we are seeing very strong July and August, but a little bit of a soft June. So what we're seeing is hotels putting um, you know, together campaigns and specials to drive some short-term bookings now for June to see if they can get the occupancy up. Yeah. Are you saying the same thing, Alicia? No, but, uh, but then again, we're city hotels. So for us, June is a very good month and July, August is more resorts and holidays. Uh, so I think this is, this is the difference that we are seeing. For us, June is going to be very strong. Uh, it seems very strong right now. Uh, I believe it will be stronger than May, uh, given that we cannot forecast anything because the booking window is one day. Um, mm. uh, and the summer is always a little bit slower for us because city hotels are not so popular in the summer. Right. Okay. Um, obviously, to, to kind of wrap that whole piece up then, given the current situation, everything we've discussed, what are your expectations for uh, a positive financial recovery, if you like, and revenue performance for hotels in Poland and Eastern Europe for the remainder of the year? We have 
you know, at least another seven months within the year. So how do you feel about that overall? Are you asking me now? Yes, I am. <laughs> Sorry. That's um, okay. <laughs> um, well, uh, we believe that we will have a much higher revenue than in 2019. Uh, occupancy will be lower. Uh, we're hoping there will be no more COVID uh, restrictions or, um, you know, people are talking very different things right now. So in, everybody's saying autumn, it's all going to come back again. Um, I, I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping also the, war, the situation with the war is going to end by then. And then we will have a wonderful uh, fourth quarter, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure it will be a very, very uh, good quarter. Yes. Okay. Good. Very good. All right. Let's talk about uh, booking pace then, Pedro. Yeah, I was just reacting to Alicia saying that, you know, her booking window is one day, which I'd like to understand a little bit better. But what we're seeing certainly in the market is that the booking pace is actually um, elongating. Uh, it's still below 2019, but it's already, you know, a little bit better than 2021. It looks like it's elongating right now. It's at 56 days for, for our hotels overall, right? Which is the overall mix. And Alicia is saying, I'm getting only last minute booking. So I, I think that's very interesting sort of phenomena. And uh, the last time we were here with, uh, uh, you know, with Mario from, uh, from Iran, he said the same thing, right? That the booking window wasn't one day. And it looks like in crisis situations, what happens is people just book last minute. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, Alicia, if you can share something with us. And how did you adjust your operations to deal with that? Uh, well, remember, we're a five-star luxury hotel. So, you know, for us, it's uh, it's normal that we have a lot of stuff on board always. Uh, this is not something we, uh, this is not a cost saver for us. Stuff is very important for us and this, the level of service is very important for us. So I, I do not think this is difficult for us to adjust. Uh, we are managing it very well. The trouble is with uh, with groups and conferences. This is much more difficult because you know organizing a conference a day ahead is just uh, it's just time consuming. Yes, and you need a lot of people for that and a lot of communication. So this is something that that we are struggling with, and we are taking people from different departments and putting them into the conferences and event departments in order to cope with the demand for, for these little uh, conferences and events. Uh, but generally for guests, we do not, have, you know, we are always prepared. We're five stars. We, you know, we have all this service we need. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just coming back to the, the operation side of it in terms of the staffing, you mentioned before that, uh, you know, you obviously also feeling the sta staffing shortage, um, I don't know if crisis is the right word, but you're, you're sensing the, the sense of uh, lack of uh, opportunity there. So how, um, in, if at all, are you adjusting the business to, to cater for that as well? Given you are a five-star uh, brand in that sense, there's a certain level of expectation around delivery. So what are some of the things that maybe you've adjusted in terms of automation perhaps, or you, where you've introduced certain technologies that maybe have assisted that where it it's, hasn't been as obvious? Well, we have, um, what we were concentrating on mainly is the pre-reservation process, yes, which was the booking engine and the loyalty program in order to actually have a 
direct contact with our guests before arrival and to sort out most of the paperwork before arrival, yes. Uh, with regard to staff shortages, it's I would say it's not even a shortage of, um, of staff, but more a shortage of qualified staff. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a big issue because, uh, because you don't have people who know hospitality. And hospitality is very complex, especially in five stars. It's not something you can teach within a week. I say, you know, training is not enough. You need the experience. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so of course, we're, like I said, we're moving people around from different departments because we find this is the easiest way uh, than training completely new people who have no idea about hospitality. Mm. Okay, very good. We have a question from Melissa Rodriguez. Melissa, great to have you joining us. Thank you for the question. It's for you, Alicia. In terms of guest messaging and targeting international guests, what other steps are hotels taking to inspire consumer confidence? To visit Poland? Well, I can tell you from my point of view uh, what we are doing. Well, we're, we are uh, liaising with uh, foreign companies, foreign uh, brands. Uh, for instance, what we have done in May is we have invited several Michelin star chefs and they were cooking with us. And of course, this is a wonderful uh, marketing opportunity because uh, these, all these chefs have their Instagrams and their Facebooks and their profiles. And this is it just going around the world showing that, yes, Poland is okay. You know, we're, we're cooking together here in Poland. It's all right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in uh, September, we're doing an art fair with galleries where we're also willing to target international customers who are interested in art in general. So this is going to be a, like the first uh, event in Poland where you will have um, exhibitions in the rooms. Um, so we're trying to uh, get, the you know, get the customer's confidence by showing them life here. Yeah. Uh, that it's all continuing, yes, business as usual. And yeah. I think this is, this is the main aspect we're trying to sell. Uh, and the way we're selling it is mostly social media and the internet. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're probably the most Makes direct sense. channels that you'll be able to do it with. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, listen, we are coming up to uh, the end of the session. So, Pedro, do you have any other slides that you'd like to touch on or, or, or bring up no, before not, we uh, not, wrap this up? Not, I, I, don't, I don't think I have. Maybe the only thing that, uh, that we haven't talked about that we typically talk about is cancellations. So I can bring mm -hmm. that up if I can, if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, let's have a look at that. <laughs> Where is it? Here it is. Uh, so... So what we've seen was that obviously in 2020, we had lots of cancellations, right? 46% of all bookings actually ended up being canceled. Uh, in 2021, we had sort of a big wave of, uh, of cancellations and normality, cancellations, normality. What we're seeing in 22 is ver a very stable pattern of cancellations. It looks almost like 2019. And, and I think that's really good news, right? So we had a little bit more cancellation, cancellations in the beginning of the year where there were still travel restrictions and so on. I think most markets in Europe, at least, and in North America have opened up. There's no masks required on anything. And therefore, people are just confident again. They're not canceling. They're booking in advance. And, and trips are being done, right? Which is really critical because one thing is, books and we know since the pandemic that on the books means nothing until people you know check in uh, but actually we're getting the check-ins we're getting the checkouts the revenue is flowing through so we're seeing also hotels a lot more better in terms of cash flow and what we're seeing from here at least from our our portfolio of hotels is non-refundable rates are back right so 
cancellations are such at such low levels that uh, most hotels are now confident to put up non-refundable rates again. And we're seeing that we're starting to see some pickup on non-refundable rates. And I think that's great news overall because it just speaks to consumer confidence, right? I think cancellations speak to consumer confidence. And then if people are booking non-refundable rates, that also speaks to consumer confidence. So I think we're back, to be very honest. And I've been saying this this year that it's going to be good news after good news after good news for the hotel industry, right? I know that, you know, if you look at all the other stuff, the stock market is crashing and so on, but ignoring that, and if you look at the hotel industry, it has been good news after good news. Um, and cancellations is yet another indicator, I think, that, that things are quite stable. And I think we can go back to sort of more traditional revenue management techniques like we had in 2019. Yeah, 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 very good. We also have a question coming in from Michael Madison. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us again. It's great to see you here. Um, and I assume this is for Alicia. Uh, Alicia, how important is the local market for your restaurants? It's extremely important. This is our major uh, customer. So we, we, we are very, very uh, popular uh, for our, renowned for our restaurants. And uh, it's mostly the local customers. Um, you have cities like Warsaw or Wrocław where you have the corporate guests. And the corporate guests will also dine in our restaurant. But uh, leisure, uh, guests who come for leisure, like Krakow, for instance, uh, they generally go out to town and they eat out in town. So our, our, our main customers are the Poles, the local guests. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. We also have a comment here from Malvina Sneddon. Uh, I'd like to read this out and um, perhaps also respond to this um, as well, Alicia. But basically, she's saying that you're saying the training is not enough and that you're looking for experience in staff. People do study tourism and sometimes once you're done studying and you hear this from the employer, it's very disappointing. People want a chance once they have their degree. I hope this is not the approach of all hotels in Poland. Um, Alicia, I'd like to come to you, but I'd also like to just comment on that comment. I think absolutely that's uh, a, a fair point, but I think when it comes to a five-star standard of properties, it takes more than three or two years of studying hotel management to fully understand the intricacies of five-star service and levels of five-star service. It actually does take quite a few years to learn that to a, a fine degree. Um, Alicia, I don't know if you'd like to comment on that or if you have any further thoughts around of that. Of course. But thanks, of Melvina, course. for your comment. We appreciate it. Uh, um, I completely agree with you, Andre. And thanks, Malvina, for the comment. Uh, uh, tourism is very different from hospitality and for ho from hotel management. Uh, it's a very different degree. Hotel management stuff, amazing stuff. Absolutely, they come in and they know what they are doing. They understand that hospitality is a very complex organism that has to work together. Tourism industry is a very different education and the, the, a tourism degree does not give you an education for, uh, to, to, well, to be great at hospitality at a, as a hotel um, uh, employee. Moreover, every hotel is different. Every hotel has its soul. You need to feel the hotel and you need to feel the soul in order to be a great employee. Of course, we employ people with no experience at all. And of course, we train mm -hmm. them. What I meant by saying training is not enough is that we do not have the time for the training when we have a one-day booking window. We have to take people that already understand the hospitality industry. But trust me, we do train. Most of our employees come from uh, no hospitality industry, maybe tourism industry, which maybe tourism schools, yes, and and we train them. So no worries, come, 
come and work for us. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, there you go, Malvina. There's an opportunity for you. Okay. Well, uh, Pedro, anything else before we, we close? No, that's it. Today? I just wanted to, you know, sort of um, summarize that. Well, first, you know, Alicia, thank you very much. And it's really a pleasure to, to have, you know, Lucas Hotel to join Weird Hotels of the World. It's really been, um, for us, we're very proud that you're part of our, of our as a member. And, uh, and in general, I think, as I say, I think things are looking good. Direct is still the strongest. The summer is looking good. Um, I think there's optimism overall in the, in the industry. And I think, you know, even in Poland, right, where, you know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, what about Poland? What about Poland? We're seeing Alicia's confidence. She says, she's saying, come on over. We're ready to, to give you, show you a good time. So I'm very optimistic. Again, I, um, I hope I, we're going to be here in June saying the same things over and over again. Pricing is up. Occupancy is up. Guest satisfaction is up. And, uh, and that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to in the summer. Very good. Alicia, any final closing comments from yourself before we finish? I agree with Pedro. Fingers crossed that this is what we're going to be saying. We're going to be saying exactly. It's fantastic. And I do believe, I am very optimistic. I do believe that it's going to, uh, it's finally picking up and it's going to be a good year. Excellent. Very good. All right. Well, listen, thank you both again very much. And Alicia, very, very, very grateful that you joined us today and took the time. We appreciate it very much. Uh, to the viewers, uh, thank you for taking the time to tune in and, and listen and watch us, as well as for your comments and questions. These will also be available um, once we've recorded online on the websites and for, for, for viewing at a later stage. Uh, so I think with all of that said, oh, don't forget, Get the report from the links that Lee is going to uh, or has put into the comments section. And if you're a hotelier, make sure that you add for, for the next, next month's report. Until then, everyone, I think we'll say goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.